won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, Citizen Civs. You've tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 83 and was recorded on August 7th and made available for download August 11th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Lennon, and unfortunately Tony can't be with us today as he's decided to run for president of Cambodia. So joining us is Jace from Priority One. I'm Jace. And what do we have this week, Jace? In this week's Squawk Box, we're going to talk about whiskey. No, I'm not making that up. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, patch 116, and all the good stuff from Gamescom. In Nuggets for Nuggets, we check in with Kruger's customer service department. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sivs, you can help us bring more of the show you love by visiting our website, GuardFrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. For the low, low, low price of $1.25 per episode, you can become a backer and get access to unedited recordings of the show a whole three days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge. But it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who've already chipped in and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Do you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. The normal. Crypter, 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 this is Jay saying, welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. Hello, friends. This is one of those Squawk Boxes where you're going to have to be patient with me as I lead you on a gentle journey of discovery from something seemingly trivial and unrelated to simply amazing. Friends, I want to talk to you about whiskey. Smooth, refreshing, high-quality booze. The very finest in the world, according to Jim Murray's Whiskey Bible 2015. This particular single malt work of art was described as rich and fruity, with a nose of exquisite boldness and finish of light, teasing spice. Like many of its national cousins, it's beautifully crafted, no vibration, smooth, consistent, and always pleasing. Would you like to know the name of the reigning king of the thirst-quenching world? Let me ask my good friend... Bill Murray. For relaxing times, make it Suntory time. That's right. No one beats the two-century-old Japanese distillery for mellow flavor. And they're not resting on their laurels, which brings me to the reason we're talking about it this week. Can anyone think of a more relaxing, mellow environment than the free fall of low Earth orbit? That's right. Suntory is sending a batch of its finest libation up to the International Space Station to experiment on how microgravity affects the aging process of its flagship product. The going rate for a bottle of its 2014 Champion batch is about $160. A bottle of 2015 Orbital Aged? Not for sale at any price. Oh, that's a shame. Um... I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I, I'm a scotch drinker, of course, and 
I enjoy some of the <laughs> finest Scotch whiskeys made in Scotland. The good thing about it being Japanese whiskey is I could say the name as opposed to things like Brichladik or Ochentushan. Or it's like, like a I should be back on priority one. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I will put up any Scotch whiskey against uh, this uh, Japanese knockoff. Japanese. Yeah, having, having said that, like Jace was saying, though, there was it their um, sherry? I think their single malt sherry cask. It was literally voted the best whiskey in the world. That's right. Um, a couple of years back, I think that they got that, but I think that they've retained the title since. So I'm kind of curious, though, as to space is supposed to have a sort of astronauts say it has like a metallic taste and feel to it doesn't it so if they're going to put this in uh, barrels in low earth orbit do you think it'll just naturally imbue with some of the uh atmosphere is the wrong word because there's no atmosphere in space well I, I don't think if they're going to cask it in space i think they're going to send a cask up to space to see the effects of what low gravity does to the aging process where the molecules combine and they actually in some distillers they actually roll barrels on a regular schedule so that settling happens equally so it may actually be beneficial to have it in a low gravity environment because it's less likely to settle right interesting look at that a little science for you yeah a little science mainly alcohol but a little science as long as you drink your whiskey straight up or on the rocks, I don't care. Space rocks, friends. Space rocks. <laughs> Read, see, or hear something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. Speed 175, Port Bay, hands on approach, check your screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for the 7th of August 2015 is 86,150,000 or thereabouts, up about a million from when we last reported it. Interestingly, 400,000 of that has come in in the last 24 hours alone. Might have something to do with Gamescom. The number of Star Citizens is up about 9.5k to 938,500, and members of the UEE fleet I couldn't find out because they've kind of moved the website around, so I'm going to take a rough stab in the dark and say it's at least three. That seems fair. Patch 116 has graduated from the PTU and is now available on live. Another round of balance and bug fixes, including increasing the amount of time AI will stay under fire in Vandal Swarm, fixes to the tutorial, and some fixes to the GIM and backend servers to avoid crashes, and that's pretty much it. Well, almost. Patch 116 also comes with an entirely new launcher, which you'll need to download if you want to continue playing as your current launcher won't actually let you log in. So if you've been having issues, now you know why. The good news is that this patcher has been entirely rewritten from the ground up and will drastically improve your download speeds. Now using up to your bandwidth's full potential. Yeah, I mean this new patcher, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to install it and play around with it. The patcher itself is so much smoother and I've noticed that the downloads are hugely, hugely improved. I was managed to update the whole 1.1.6 patch in under an hour. Wow, that's unprecedented. Yeah, it seriously is. Which for Jeff, this means it should be about six months yep. for you to yep. download. Yep. Instead of a year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's an improvement. It's an improvement. They said it was a, a balance and bug fixes patch, but I swear it's actually got a little bit smoother since the last time we were playing. Maybe it's to do with the back-end technology that they're using for the launcher possibly coming into play in the game as well. But for me, the whole thing just seems like butter smooth now. Honestly, the only problem I have with the game right now is that every time there's a major patch, I have to redo my freaking controls again. And with this Warthog, 
I'm telling you, thing is oh, just... man. <laughs> so I'm hoping they'll come up with a better management system because importing, exporting, all that, it's like half the time I forget the damn commands anyway. There's how many buttons have you got on that thing? There's two separate pieces. I've got 24 buttons on my joystick and another 32 buttons or switches which can be reconfigured two to three times. So in actuality, there's like 90 something different settings you can do with the throttle. Wow, that's that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like having to reset up my T16000 and that has like 16 buttons on it. <laughs> So, once again, CRG has made an appearance at Gamescom, and much like the previous years, they did not leave us disappointed. Over the past week, CRG have been rather tight-lipped about everything that they hoped to reveal there, and I've got to say that when they actually did the presentation, we were given so much good info. Everything from the social module, which is set to release later this month, to actually answering the question, where the f*** is the FPS module, the Star Citizen HOTUS, Squadron 42 updates, new community tools, they've redone the interiors of ships so they're all built in a modular design, and the icing on the cake. At the very end of the presentation they did an incredibly impressive Arena Commander 2.0 demo. So this is going to be a bit of a, a freeform, we're probably going to jump all over the place because like I said there's a lot of stuff that has come out of CRG. Let's start first with a, a bit of an update to 116 that we didn't cover in the show notes above actually which is they've altered Vandal Swarm and have made it harder and if you manage to beat Wave 18 now, and it's worth saying that even the internal QA have not managed to beat Wave 18, if you manage to beat Wave 18, you get an unlock that allows you to purchase a glaive for Wreck. And even more importantly, the first 1,000 people to actually finish it will be able to purchase a glaive outright. They're actually allowing you to purchase that ship again, but only for the first 1,000 people that complete Wave 18 on Vandal Swarm. Interesting. I'll tell you one thing I did see after the event is that they had to spool up more servers because so many people went and started playing Vandal Swarm. Yeah, I did spot that as well because I, I think I was possibly one of the guilty ones on this. I didn't start playing, but I thought, oh, if they're doing it, I better like jump on now and just like have a quick look and see what's going on. Uh, so during the presentation, I fired up Arena Commander, jumped into 1.1.6, and yeah, there was uh, it was a little bit laggy trying to find a match and everything like that but like you said they did then say that they had to spool up more servers so that completely answers that <laughs> so yeah the first sort of major reveal that they did at gamescom was they've told us that the social module is going to be arriving before the fps module it's actually set to land this month so within the next three weeks we should be able to uh, get out of our hangars walk around art corp and just sort of see our first real experience of what planet side is going to be and what the persistent universe is going to be like on the long run so jace you've had chance to watch the presentation from gamescom what did you think of the early build of the social module the version zero as they're touting it well i'm not precisely sure what we will and won't be able to do because they talked so much about what will eventually be possible but I think this is a great step, especially that they're willing to go ahead and roll it out ahead of the FPS module, if that's what it takes, that they're no longer locked into that Star Marine or Bust model. Yes. So we're getting regular updates to Arena Commander. Now we're going to see the social module. Both of these things should help a lot, both with the public perception of Star Citizen and giving us some new things to do. I mean, we were excited back when we could just get in our hangars and see essentially toy models of our ships. 
literally in the case of, I believe it was the Cutlass back at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it was only a toy model. And yeah, that is a very good comparison, actually. So you were saying you didn't know what was available and what is coming in the future. So we're actually getting what they're calling the social module version zero, which is very bare bones. There's not actually a whole lot there. So to begin with, you won't be able to customize your avatar with clothing or armor or any of those sorts of things. That's coming in version one. Equally, version zero will not have any NPCs. There might be the old guy stood behind the counter, but you certainly won't see people wandering around the planet going about their daily business and things like that. That's coming with version one as well. You'll also not be able to purchase weaponry or, in fact, well, anything in version zero. Again, that's something that's coming in version one. And any sort of features like they were talking at one point about having a back alley where you can have a a PvE fight, you might possibly get mugged by a shady NPC. All of that will be coming in version 1, but isn't there in version 0. So the version 0 that we're getting is almost like a planet-side version of the hangar module, as it were. It's just extending the hangar, it's letting us walk around. But the important thing with the version 0 is that you're going to be able to go into other people's instances and talk and chat and just generally hang out planet-side. You'll also be able to invite them into your hangar and they can wander around and see your ships and then, as Chris was saying, you know, you can then just jump in a sim pod and, and start up a game of Arena Commander from there. So version 1 does seem like the place where all the cool little features are happening, but much like when we had the hangar to begin with, it's at least it's an extension and people, I'm sure, will be happy to just walk around interacting with the environment. And I'm sure there will be some little clues in that environment too. I know we caught in the background through one of the windows a glimpse at what we believe is the new freelancer model. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there's going to be little tiny hints like that as to the the full potential and other new things that will be coming very, very soon down the pipeline. Some of the places that they showed you Planetside, in case you listeners haven't had a chance to go and look at the Twitch stream, which if you haven't, you seriously should because you're so missing out right now. They gave us a brief tour. We got to go to a place called Astromata, which is a ship dealership. They also took you to some of the places that have appeared in the lore, like Cubby Blast and Dumpers Depot. They also took you to the medical facility, where in the Persistent Universe you'll be able to go to get medical equipment, medical treatment, and also where you'll end up respawning should your character actually suffer a major injury and get one of the lives taken off of him. I'm interested in that because of the medical ships coming out, you know, as far as we have the Cutlass Red with its limited capability and then the Endeavor variant, the Hope, which has been more recently described as a mobile base for, say, a character to come back to in its science role. But in the medical role, will that be a place that players can respawn to? In order for it to be that, it would need to be persistent. So I don't know how that's going to work. So the medical angle is interesting to me. I'm very excited about the social module. I'm just as excited as Chris is to see his vision come to light. I'm not an FPSer. It's not my primary function. But walking around and getting to interact with the environment is definitely high up there in my gameplay desire. Yeah, so you're happy to log in and if you're not killing things, just go and shake your virtual ass on the dance floor. That's the sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Are there people who are not into that? Well, I mean, they have spent a lot of time putting enough uh, emotes in for dancing. (laughs) You you know, it's like when I log into Star Trek Online, I immediately go to that club place and just... Oh, Club 47. Yeah, I spend all my time on the dance floor there. Yeah, well, uh, I, I guess you know this is just where art mirrors real life for you jeff because you you are well known to be a party animal so oh yes well known throughout the galaxy (laughs) 
The next thing that they demoed, and of course they would have had to give something about this, was Star Marine. They showed us uh, a quick demo of it, during which Chris was telling us how crucial the first-person experience is to the whole persistent universe. So one of the reasons that it's been heavily delayed is because they needed to concentrate on getting the third-person view right, which a lot of people might wonder, you know, if it's a first-person shooter module, why are you spending so much time on the third person? And like Chris was saying, everybody that you see in the universe will be third person. You are going to be the only one from a first-person perspective. So it was really important that they got the third-person animations in because that is what will unify the whole system and really set the foundations for an immersive, persistent universe and the whole first-person experience. So they did a really awesome demo. Again, not really revealing too many features that we haven't already seen before. It was the typical reds versus blues setup. The whole thing, though, just looks so much more polished than the last time that they demoed it. Well, I was impressed with the destructible aspects of the environment. I think that makes it much more interactive and appealing than a sort of stiff, flat level type of format shooting out the lights and that sort of thing. Yeah, I was going to say, they did have people running around uh, shooting out the lights and, and, you know, the areas did obviously get darker. Chris did keep trying to get the guys who were playing it to demo some of the things like holograms and shields and things like this, but the the guys who were playing were just on an all-out free-for-all. They were just murdering everybody that they came across. So Yeah, they were really gung-ho. It was kind of hilarious. Yeah, so Chris Chris was there like, oh, can you just demo some of the hologram tech? And, oh, oh sorry, what's that? You're dead? Okay, um, who else has got a hologram? He was trying his best to show everybody all the features, but the people playing it were just uh, really gung-ho about the whole thing. One of the interesting things that they said on there was that their philosophy is it's better to do it right than to do it quick. So having now seen it, Jace, do you think that they are justified in the delays of everything that they're doing? I'm not a veteran first-person shooter player, so I mostly want it to fit the role that it needs to play in the overarching game because I was talking to some folks who are not familiar with Star Citizen about this today, and sure, it's going to have a first-person shooter gameplay but this is the mode that we're going to be spending most of our time in i mean if we're in our ships if we're in our cockpits we're that first person character sitting in the seat controlling the ship so if they're spending extra time on animation and and fluidity and what our characters actually look like to each other i'm more in favor of that and I think it looks good so far. They're making good progress. Other things that they talked about as well, just going to do a very, very brief rundown here. The ship pipeline, they have just basically said that they want to get the ships out ASAP. They give us a few updates on Squadron 42, but they're still remaining quite tight-lipped about it because they naturally don't want to give away the details, other than saying that everything that they've done in Star Marine and Arena Commander is essential to Squadron 42. They introduced some new community tools as well. Uh, firstly, a place called the Community Hub, which effectively allows any content creators out there to get stuff contributed to the official CRG website, anything from screenshots, videos, artwork. And there was a place called the Deep Space Radar where you could submit podcasts. And on the screenshot that they showed, we were in the very bottom left. We were the first item on the podcast listing. So, Beautiful. yes. Wow. God frequency represent. Other things that they also gave in the community tool section was the Issue Council, which is a bug tracker version 2, 3, 4, whatever they're up to now, for the community, which 
takes um, a couple of cues from Reddit, I feel, in that basically you get to submit a bug with all the detail that you can possibly fit into it. They ask a lot of good questions, take things from you like machine spec, the expected result, you have to detail your steps, and then people get to contribute by saying that actually they were able to reproduce it, and then they can upvote and downvote the bugs. And basically, if a bug doesn't get enough contributions and upvotes, it just drops off the bottom of the radar. Anything that rises to the top automatically goes onto CIG's bug tracker. So, yeah, what were your thoughts on these new community tools? I thought that stuff was pretty cool. My only concern about the issues council with bug tracking is there might be an opportunity for folks who are taking advantage of a bug to downvote it to reduce its visibility. So I assume they'll have to come up with some sort of control or preventive measure for that. I also have an issue with it. In fact, my custom rig might be different than anybody else's custom rig. I mean, no two computers is exactly the same. And the fact is I might get a bug that is detrimental to me, even to the point of not being able to play the game. However, it may not ever, ever come up on anybody else. So Yeah, exactly. Even if it's not a great use of their resources, I think it shouldn't fall totally off the radar because clearly there's something causing that that, if unchecked, could grow into a bigger problem. You know, keep it as a low priority, perhaps, but I don't think they should totally drop off. I assume folks will be monitoring it visibly, not just the automated system. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in the background it actually doesn't drop them off the system entirely, but just removes the visibility from the website, Mm -hmm. as it were. And again, you've got to think long term that Jeff might report that issue on day one because of his custom rig. And then six months later, I might buy the same, I don't know, RAM and processor that Jeff happens to have. I run into the same issue, but where it's dropped off the front page, even though it's the same issue as Jeff that I'm having that I can't launch the game or whatever because we've both now got this very specific set of hardware, there has to be some way that you can almost reconcile or merge the two reports and actually say, oh yeah, so this bug does only occur once every six months, but it is something that needs looking at. The next topic was a hot one with many forum threads. Modular starships. Want a retaliator that transports passengers? Or a Connie with a medical bay? It's coming. So now the sizing for these modules is more universal. For now, what they've revealed are their four sizes, light, medium, heavy, and capital. Weapon sizes have been changed as well, expanded out to 12. And today, we get the first unveiling of that with retaliator modules, which are available in the store. You can get a base retaliator for 150 US dollars, and that does not come with any modules, but the retaliator can fit two, one more fore and one more aft. The default retaliator, which has been sold before and was on sale with the flash sale, comes with two torpedo bays. And if you were to purchase the base one and the torpedo bays, it would work out to about that price. However, you could also swap in cargo bays or berthing quarters, or they had a dropship variant for carrying Marines into battle and likely more to come. So I find this to be pretty exciting as a Constellation and future Cutlass owner. I would love to be able to do something like have the blue hull augments, but throw the medical bay into it from the red. Yeah, I I think this is very much what they were going for, because I know that there was a lot of controversy around the Cutlass specifically when that was launched, because people were saying, you know, if it's the same design, if it's the blue, the black, the red, the red can have a med bay. Why can't I take that and put that on a different chassis? 
because it's you know just interior room that it's taking up and i think that this does go a little bit of the way to addressing tony's concerns about how upgradable the constellation is and how tied to a certain variant you are true they're not bringing back hard points but they at least acknowledge that there needs to be some flexibility in your starship configuration not just in terms of your weapons but in terms of what extra features it actually has my only real concern and i am sure this is just for the pledge period is that it's like you said 25 dollars per room and luckily the retaliator only has two rooms but if you had something like a, an idris or something of that nature that's gonna get expensive fast if you wanted to own into all those modules for sure i i'm still unclear yet on how this system's going to work because I get the different models. I'm going to pick on the Connie because we all know that I really, really want that Phoenix upgrade. Yeah. So the different models have almost a different hull shape, you know, a front viewing screen and, you know, different noses and stuff like that. But are the modules interchangeable so I could put a luxury model in my Connie and have the hot, my hot tub? Or is the module specific to like a med bay and whether I, I'm flying a Phoenix or a Taurus, uh, I, I can put a med bay in it. I think that they would want to keep things like the hot tub relegated to the Phoenix because that gives that variant obviously a bit of buying power. It's the whole luxury. Having said that though, I guess that ultimately there's no reason why they couldn't put fluff modules for sale. Maybe you want a really plush lounge in the back of your freelancer rather than a cargo bay surely you should have the prerogative to do that. I think you gentlemen bring up a good point that was sort of sidestepped by the Retaliator being the test bed for this because it doesn't have variants. Yeah. The Constellation and the Cutlass, which are the other examples that are likely going to be early multi-crew ships, both have variants with, like you say, somewhat different hulls and different interiors. So we haven't seen that addressed yet. There's only one version of the Retaliator and now they're using modules to give us variants, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost like Variants 2.0. And just taking your thoughts around going a bit further with it, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe in future a variant is effectively a bundle of base model plus specific rooms. So the Phoenix variant could be uh, it's a Constellation plus a hot tub, whereas the Aquila is the Constellation plus a exploratory bay or like a drone bay or something like that. Yeah, the only issue with that is they'll have to link some of the exterior hard points to that because there are physical differences it's it's tricky i think ultimately we'll just have to see how the retaliator pans out and obviously crg are using it as a test bed for refinement so no doubt they'll revisit this and we'll have a much clearer idea post retaliator once they start bringing out the cutlass variants so while SciTech made a soft announcement earlier this week that they are in fact going to be the makers of the star citizen controller the big unveiling happened at Gamescom, and yes, SciTech, aka Mad Cats, will be making the Star Citizen HOTAS, but that's not all. As many people may already know, the X-52 from SciTech was the inspiration for the Hornet stick in the early crowdfunding videos, and they have often been seen on stage or in production videos or in the background used as giveaways. Their intention, of course, is that all controllers are equal, so they'll be doing a lot more than just a HOTAS. They want to allow for the option of hand-on stick-and-stick, analog hats, trackballs, yes, Tony, trackballs on your stick and throttle, 
So SciTech will be making a modular system that goes beyond just the HOTAS. It will include a keyboard, an OLED screen, a bespoke button panel, headsets. Their high-end version, based more on the X65 HOTAS base, will actually have the OLED screen built into the joystick base, which ideally will also be a touchscreen, per Chris's preference, though right now that's not totally locked down. I felt positive about this because they mentioned hand-on-stick and stick, which to me implies a left-handed option, which is near and dear to my heart because there's very few, which is why I have my Thrustmaster. There's basically no off-handed throttles available out there without custom mods. Yes, now everybody who's listened to our show will know that when it comes to flight sticks and HOTUSes in general, Jeff usually has an opinion or six. So, (laughs) Mr. McComb... Uh, This is where we turn the mic over to you. Well, let me see. I am quietly excited because uh, we all know since Mad Cats bought SciTech, production quality of their systems has been rather spotty. For example, I bought a X-52 last year. For what I paid for it, it really just didn't weather well. But my HOTUS, which I've had for a number of years, my my Warthog, is still going strong, is still nice and tight. For this to go off well and for what I've seen of what the suspected price point of this is going to be, their production quality better get up to um, Warthog area because it's really going to be necessary. I also haven't heard of anything about the back end. Now, we all know, all flight simulator people know that you want to use hull sensors in your stick and throttle instead of analog sensors. I'm hoping that they make that decision to use hull sensors. I am really excited about the integration of the keyboard and OLED screen. It's definitely something I'll probably put some money aside away for it and check out when it as it comes to fruition just to see it, even if I don't end up using it in the long run and stick with my Warthog. I have a SciTech keyboard. If it's anything like the SciTech keyboard that I have right now, it, it, it'd be pretty nice. What's really important about this is that, you know, we got good LED, we got keys that don't fade away, you know, that the letters don't go away on. It's fully programmable. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, there have been some, and I hate to use the word, but it's it's legitimate this time, there have been some concerns raised about the quality of the SciTech sticks, like you said, since Mad Cats have purchased them. But I think one thing that should kind of be on our side is that every time CIG has made a physical good they've always gone out and found the best possible provider for it so things like um, the Goliath mouse mats for example Sandy made sure they were just of the absolute highest quality and I think that having Sandy certainly on our side with things like that and I don't think that Madcats will want to risk producing hardware for what is going to without a doubt be uh, the biggest space sim that has ever been made that they are pretty much guaranteed sales for for most of the big fans out there you know yourself there jeff you were saying you're going to save them get one i'm definitely getting one jace has said that if they produce the left-handed variant he's getting one so i don't think that they would take the risk of making a slightly inferior quality product if when this is made it gets out there that actually the star citizen hardware isn't that great they are going to just lose one of the biggest opportunities that they've had to sell joysticks. I agree, and I'm really, really curious about this screen. Uh, I heard it was possibly going to be detachable. Yes. And that you could, you know, set it up where you wanted it to or, or put it in a different position or even carry it with you and still interact with your Star Citizen. One other thing I heard from the community is for folks who are interested 
interested in the integration of things like the Oculus Rift or other immersive virtual reality 3D type experiences is that some of this is going to be lost on them. Any of the touchscreen type controls will be either difficult or impossible for them to use. Oh, of course. Yeah, because they're not going to be able to see their stick, their keyboard, because they're going to have a massive set of goggles on their face. Right. So as you get to these more and more high-tech solutions, they start to interfere and overlap with each other, which I think is uh, not really a concern, but of interest. You know, I think it's noteworthy. One other really interesting thing that I thought about this is that the HOTUS system that they demoed, the low-end one, and again, it's a shame that he's not here to, to revel in his delight huh. that they're listening. They have two trackballs built in, one on the stick and one on the throttle, because they were saying that people were complaining that mouse users have an advantage over HOTUS users because they've got the fine controls. So they just decided to slap a couple of trackballs on the thing. And yeah, not only are they doing the, the sort of HOTAS system, but not only does Tony now have one trackball, he can have two in a single unit. Oh, we're never going to hear the end of it. We're I know, never. right? That's exactly, as soon as I saw the presentation, I thought, one, he's going to be really excited. Two, we're never going to hear the end of it. In fact, if Chris had just gone one stage further and said, this touch panel has mini jump points built in, pff, yeah, that would have been it. <laughs> Speaking of mini jump points, though, and the quantum drive, as it's otherwise known <laughs> these days, uh, the other thing that they did, of course, was they gave us a, an absolutely mind-blowing demo, in my opinion, of Arena Commander 2.0. Oh, really? I thought, thought it was kind of an afterthought, wasn't it? Well, you know. But <laughs> it was pretty well put together. First, we saw one character getting ready. Then he joined a whole group of them, which was pretty hilarious. They were all out there dancing. Then they went out onto the flight deck of a station where there were several ships, and they got into their respective Hornet, Gladius, and also the Cutlass. And in the Cutlass, several of them piled into it all together. So then they flew out, found a navigational point, and engaged Quantum Drive, and we got to see each of them in turn do this as they cut between them. And it was sort of a live movie trailer style edit as they jumped between different perspectives and they arrived at a derelict retaliator so here's a glimpse of the retaliator fully modeled fully in flight mode if deserted right now then the cutlass crew evas they zero g over to the retaliator using their thrusters then they start pushing pulling themselves around get inside of it through a gap in the hull enable their gravity and snap to the floor you see them moving around restoring power the lights come on they activate an engineering console he turns on the weapon systems and then they reveal there's another team there <laughs> yes the blue team sort of came out of nowhere and ambushed the retaliator salvage up and then yes the massive battle ensued which at one point included the complete detonation of a cutlass i mean i know that they said that they'd modeled damage states but the way that it exploded and fell apart into individual it was just beautiful i've never been so happy to see something destroyed ah. it was wonderful what was quite amusing is that the first run the blue team actually did a little too well which unintentionally <laughs> yes. showed off a pretty neat aspect of the damage states they couldn't make the jump back to the station in the retaliator which was their intention this is what I did catch of it. I mean, I, I did see all this, and I was really, really impressed. I, I was impressed from, from the start, the whole battle scene. I mean, I, this thing was just, it's no wonder they raised so much money after this was over with. Yeah, 
I mean, $400,000 in, well, it's been less than 24 hours since the Gamescom presentation at the time that we're recording this show. So like you said, it is not surprising. The one thing that I really did like about this whole thing, though, was the last time that we really saw anything involving the greater parts of the Persistent Universe was the demo that they had of the Connie that was doing the planet-side landing. But that all felt very controlled, very precise. This felt more like they were actually playing the game. I was going to say it wasn't a pre-sequence turn of events. It was in as much as they wanted to show you a story. But it wasn't like, we have to go to X because Y doesn't exist yet. And like you were saying, Jace, it does go to show that the game is actually quite far along when the other team did enough damage that they couldn't get the jump drive working on the retaliator in order to take it back, which is how they wanted to end the presentation. It wasn't a technical breakdown, it wasn't a problem with the code, it was literally the code was working, it was the human aspect, the other team just did way too good a job of actually shooting up the ship. And so the fact that the system is in a sort of state where it can take all that kind of thing into account is just so, so good. I think given what we saw, honestly, that right now it is just a question of them adding more content, and by that I mean planetary systems, lore places, landing pads, interesting things to do and see. The actual mechanics of the game, I think, are like 99% there. I don't know if that's the feeling that you guys got. Well, even after the presentation, they went back and did a second run-through, and and, yeah. they, and in the second run-through, they actually accomplished what they wanted to show. And it was, again, even the second time through, I was still impressed at every stage every step they went through was just still a impressive bit of gameplay yeah i mean last week i was uh, sorry not last week the week before i was saying that i was back again worshiping at the altar of chris roberts this time i fully pledged i'm going to become some sort of chris roberts based monk now i'm just so so impressed with everything that they did and like you said even seeing it for a second time when you knew everything that was going to happen you were still impressed with the whole thing if for some reason you guys out there haven't gone and seen even the arena commander demo yet if you watch this i i I would challenge anyone in fact i was gonna say i'll challenge anyone to not get excited about it the number one opponent to star citizen the the guy who shall not be named i had to go and find out what his opinion was on it and effectively he said that it looks really good the level of fidelity they're going for is fantastic it has the chance to become epic the only thing that he could fault it on was i'm concerned they'll run out of money and I promise that's the last I'm going to mention about that particular guy, but it just goes to prove that even someone who was vehemently opposed to everything they were doing cannot help but be impressed with what they've been able to do. So apart from the actual gameplay of Arena Commander 2.0, they had a bit of a presentation beforehand which revealed a few other things. For example, the large world has meant that they've been able to go from a 8km map to an 8 billion kilometer map in-game. This means that they can just model a whole solar system in one single sitting. The streaming technology that they've put in place means that there is going to be no loading between any of the zones that they have. So talking of the zoning system, they said that the problem that they've got is space is incredibly big, it's incredibly sparse, but there are certain pockets of it, like a space station, that are incredibly dense. So they had to write this whole system of zoning, which is effectively a zone as a container of objects, like a space station, within which can be others 
zone. So you could have a room, which is a zone, inside of a space station, which is a zone, which is in orbit of a planet, which is a zone, and so on and so forth. And by knowing which zone within a zone within a zone that you're in, it can intelligently render everything in your immediate vicinity, rather than trying to load the whole level into the game's memory. So it means that there is zero loading time, the whole thing runs super, super smooth. And that really helps with the immersion. Further to the zoning system, they've implemented physics grids. And because you're relative to a zone, you're relative to a physics grid, which means that you can go from space, which is zero G, onto a ship, which has at least one G. And then you'll just snap to the floor. You know, as you approach the ship, the gravity will take over and you'll get drawn in. The other thing that they said was that they hope that Arena Commander 2.0 will be with us right after CitizenCon. So that basically puts the rough timeline for all of these changes that we've seen is 1.1.6, which has already been released, Social Module Version 0 coming before the end of the month, First Person Shooter Module, aka Star Marine, coming next month, then it's CitizenCon the month after, and then hopefully Arena Commander 2.0. So this is still pretty much on track with the roadmap that they mentioned a couple of weeks back that we're still really hoping they can hit, but... It's still optimistic in my opinion, but I'm having seen how much they've got, I am a lot more uh, hopeful that this will actually come about. And talking of reveals, there was one thing right at the end of the Arena Commander demo. After they brought the Retaliator home, they land on the pad, and then they look up towards, well, space, because that's where they are. And what do they see flying overhead? <laughs> Something big. Something big. And shiny. And shiny. I want one. Don't keep the listeners in suspense. What was it? An Idris! An Idris! I know we get our first glimpse of the Idris flying overhead. Oh, gorgeous. Oh, wasn't it just? And they just snuck it in right at the end. Didn't mention it, didn't tell anyone, but it flew overhead. It was, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, Majestic as f***. There you go. So that's our review of Gamescom, only about half the length of the actual presentation. So is it everything you hoped for? Or were you really hoping to see that special little feature that they just didn't show yet? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So now it's time for news we didn't use. Meet the CIG Devs Episodes 36 and 37, featuring Mark Skelton and Josh Coons. Starwatch Prime Fashion, your one-stop shop for sycophantic compliments and fashion insights. The latest entries into the Galactic Guide, Kruger Intellectic, the Castra System, and the Osiris System. Bug Smashers Episode 7, simply a smashing episode. Around the Verse Episode 55, also featuring an interview with Josh Coons. The Wonderful World of Star Citizen Episode 3, more great stuff from all around the Star Citizen community. 10 for the Chairman Episode 62, Chris tackles more questions from the subscribers. Far From Home, an old drifter's journal. One man's look at flying solo. The Star Citizen track jacket is now available for you to pre-order. And July's monthly report. Basically a whole load of stuff that's no longer really relevant. It's true. (laughs) 
It is. It is. Everything that they brought out previously in the week to do with the news, everything on Around the Verse, everything in 10 for the Chairman, it's basically been answered at Gamescom. So that's why everything except Gamescom was in news we didn't use. Yeah, and anything else that wasn't covered was paled in comparison. Absolutely. Totally overshadowed. Now that we're caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's check in with the Kruger Customer Services Department in Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Hello, Kruger Customer Relations. How may I help you today? Hello, I'm... I was looking at the ship brochure for the P-52 Merlin, and I have to say, sir, that this ship is nothing like the mythical wizard. I mean, for starters, it has two hammer propulsion engines. Hammers are for blacksmiths, or, or dwarves, but not wizards. Uh, well, I'm sorry that you've uh, encountered a problem with our ship, but is there some way we can help you? Uh, and these Hydra maneuvering jets. I mean, Merlin never fought a Hydra that I ever heard of. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, again, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're telling us this, but I don't quite see how I can help you here, sir. Well, it, it's not all bad. Don't get me wrong. The lightning power plant, it seems perfectly reasonable that Merlin would have lightning magic. But the sister ship is the Archimedes. That's a mathematician, not a wizard. Uh, well, to be fair, Archimedes, uh, wasn't that Merlin's pet owl? Oh, don't, don't you take that turn with me trying to outlaw me, mister. Oh, uh, I want to talk to your supervisor. Okay, uh, just bear with me one moment. Let me just transfer you. Please hold. Hello, I hear you're having issues with our naming conventions of our ships. Merlin could travel in time and space. Your ship can't use a jump point. It doesn't even have a quantum engine. How do you explain that? Actually, our Merlin versatile short-range fighter is named after the Rolls-Royce ship engine from the ancient 1900s. Ship engine? Oh my gosh, that's also nothing like a wizard. Rolls-Royce? I have to call them. Oh my gosh. Do you have their contact information? Look it up on Spectrum. I'm sure you'll find it. Thank you. Goodbye. Huh, nicely handled there, sir. Yes, well you don't get to be my age without knowing how to handle the nerdy little kids. Yeah, I can see that. Get back to work. Oh, uh, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, hello, Kruger Customer Relations. How can I help you today? Yes, hello. Sorry, but I've noticed your company is named Kruger, but I've never seen you in my nightmares. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he once raffled off his kidneys at Gamescom and that he plans on releasing the anti-social module next month. But all we know is that he's called the Shiv and he helped put together this week's feedback. Yes, uh, last week's community question was what are your hopes and dreams for Gamescom? And Sean Newboy kicks this off by saying he loved the show, everyone. As for Gamescom, I want more detailed time projections. I'm just in a holding pattern for either spending more money or some concrete dates, but excellent show everyone. Osteron wrote, saw the live stream, had a few ranging thoughts, but most major thing that came to mind was this. They talked about modular, customizable, multi-crew ships, and they put trackballs in the HOTAS. Tony is going to need smelling salts. Galen Lothrin wrote in and said, hopefully at Gamescon we'll have something substantial in relation to Star Marine. 
for no other reason than to make he who should not be named look dumber than he made himself look, if that's even possible. And if they do announce Space Trucker Simulator, I'll throw some cash down on it. I've played games with worse sounding concepts. <laughs> oh, I think that that was actually the Elite nice. Dangerous Gamescom announcement, right? Driving buggies on rock worlds. That is true. Uh, Benny writes in and says, My top three things. Large world slash big world slash 64-bit. Space is big. Uh, Multi-crew. Yep. And the Star Citizen Hotess. What it looks like, how many buttons, etc. Amontillado wrote in, I'm hoping to see an expansive multiplayer free flight map, check. A more representative presentation of multi-crew gameplay, check. The new Connie in all of its glory, if you go with blaze of glory, check. <laughs> A landing zone other than Arc Corp, well, not yet. The Endeavor concept sale, oh, I'll right there with you buddy, soon, soon. And the reveal of the SciTech Star Citizen range of controllers. <laughs> Big check on that one. Yep, indeed, indeed. And from Twitter, we have the general Twitter responses was, Oh my God, best game ever! Take my money. And oh my God, trackballs! <laughs> <laughs> that basically sums up about 600 tweets we received. <laughs> so if we didn't read yours out individually, it's not through any dislike of you as a person. Although, Jace, uh, unfortunately yours, yeah, it was. Um, true, but everybody true. else is. It's fine. Yeah, so some good predictions from the community. I feel a bit sorry for Sean Newboy, who has got sort of zero of his wishes, such as a detailed time projection. But he did get it right saying that we had an excellent show. So, you know, got to give him some credit there. He is notoriously accurate in that assessment. Incredibly, incredibly. And yes, I have been saying all the way through, it's a shame Tony's not here. I actually think, given what everything that was revealed, it's a good job Tony's not here. Because we'd have to pick him up off the floor a couple of times, I think. They did put trackballs in the HOTUS. And they did put modular upgrades on the Connie. So What a world. Yeah. Also, in general feedback, we heard from Octane X, who said, Greyheaded Gamer was a great guest. The rest of the show was good, too, with an unspoken, I guess. Can't wait for next week's show post-Gamescom. I'll just chew off my arm in the meantime. To which Greyheaded Gamer replied with the math, less than three. <laughs> yeah, hopefully this show didn't disappoint. I mean, we literally watched the presentation, wrote as much as we could, and then tried to get as much across. But so much was revealed that I know we're not going to do it justice. So really, go watch the uh, Twitch stream if you guys haven't already. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about Gamescom for weeks to come at least. Oh yeah, it'll be uh, top of our target. Alrighty. Our new Patreons this week are Draker and Jake Skulker. And our winner of a brand new patch is... Chris, with no last name. Thanks very much for your pledge. We'll put it to good use. And don't forget this week's community question. How could it be anything other than Gamescom? Was the presentation everything you hoped for, or were you really hoping to see that little certain something that they just didn't show yet? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak and leave a comment and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, just shoot us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. 
And that brings us to the end of episode 83 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 84 on August 18th. So be sure to keep an eye out on our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the Robert Space Industries fan site subform. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all of the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting or the sound of my voice, why not check out our sister publication, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Well, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should come and join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 11pm Central, which is Saturdays at 5am GMT. We would like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Charlton Edwards, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. No one's listening out there. The deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Turn to 330, Carol 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. Hello, Cougar Crest. Wow. That's a great start. <laughs> a rousing beginning. I know, I know. Cougar customer relations. Imagine that. Yeah. Yes, well, you don't get to be my age without knowing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man, that was that was cruel. Guys. Yeah, he said he it. Snuck that up. in. <clears throat> Some say he once raffled off his kidneys at Gamescom and that he plans on releasing the anti-social module next month. But all we know is that he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. And my accent sucks because Tony's not here. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird, ship dealership. Yeah, I'll roll with it. Sorry, this is the Lennon and Jay show right now. Um, I'll give you lots of names to read in feedback. That always seems to cheer you up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, Jared, you... <laughs> <laughs> okay do you want to tackle the modular starships did you see that yeah cool okay and i read up on the build a retaliator it's like build a bear only less plush <laughs> and more costly holy <laughs> 20 pounds per anyway carry on i'm just going to apologize in advance to mikey for how wandering this all is and how terrible we are and how much i really like you and please don't quit and thanks sorry my stomach is going mental hang on <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if you guys heard that on the mic. I there, did but... hear that. I couldn't tell. Uh, what it I was. actually did. Yes, yeah. it was just. Uh, uh, I don't know. It, it needs breakfast or something. Anyway. Um... And so this whole show is dedicated to whenever I mess up, Jared, you're going to get the blame for it. <laughs>